Hi, hello, bonjour, and namaste. This is Out of the Clouds, a podcast at the crossroads between business and mindfulness. And I'm your host, Anne Mulatala. Hey, friend. Today, I welcome Kate Sokatyanurak, the co-founder and CEO of Morandi, a brand based in Bangkok, Thailand, that produces bag inserts in Thai silk. The 25-year-old entrepreneur holds a master's from LSE, and she's also a keen classical Thai music pianist. With her good friend, Grace Tungpanitanso, she launched the brand at the end of 2020. That's what they were doing in the middle of a pandemic. Since the time of the interview, Grace and Kate have managed to launch two new brands in Bangkok, this time in F&B or food and beverage, and the two new brands are called Good Bento and Good Cha. I'm excited for you to discover the wonderful spirit of this young and bright entrepreneur. So Kate in this interview tells me about her story, where she comes from, and how she and Grace got started with their project with Morandi. Why she loves Thai silk, how she's been collecting it for many years. And we talk, of course, about what it's like to build a brand that combines traditional craftsmanship sustainability, and CSR, because both Grace and Kate are keen to contribute to their community, give back as the brand grows, while shining a light on the beauty of Thai silk. So without further ado, I give you my interview with Kate Sokatyanurak. Enjoy. Kate, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Out of the Clouds. Thank you so much, Anne. So tell me, where am I finding you today? In Bangkok, Thailand, in my house. And it's 9 p.m. at night right now. <laughs> Thank you for making the time out of hours. It's so lovely to see you again. So as you may have heard from previous episodes and interviews, I love to start conversations with people telling me their story. I like to start this way as, well, at different times in our lives, we relate to things in our story differently. And I love to see where people pick up. If you will indulge me, Kate, tell us your story. Okay. So maybe I give you like a brief introduction about like where I am now. So I turned 25 yesterday. Happy birthday again. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Morandi. We are a brand based in Bangkok, Thailand, and we make bag inserts, you can call it bag organizers in Thai silk. So if I have to begin the beginning, I grew up in Thailand, in Bangkok. And then when I was in high school in Thailand, like my high school brought me to a summer camp in the UK. And so I had to spend some time there for just like three weeks in a boarding school. And I ended up really, really liking that, that when I was being driven out of the school in the car, I immediately called my mom. I was like, I never called my mom. (laughs) I called my mom. Can I just go back to Thailand, quit that school and move here? And she was like, yes, of course. Like, wow, I've been been waiting to hear that from you because she's very modern and she really wants me to like go abroad and stuff. So, so that was easy. And that is what I did. I didn't even like finish the year at my Thai high school. I just went immediately there. And yeah, and so I spent like three years in that boarding school where I was the only Thai person. Everyone was international. And the good thing about it was that like I already made some friends there. So it was a really easy decision, you know, to, to move there. And yeah, so I spent three years there and then I came back to Thailand for a bachelor's degree in economics at Chalalongkorn University in Bangkok. I did go on like a brief exchange semester in Barcelona, but, but yeah, but I returned to the UK again for master's. I studied master's in management and strategy at the London School of Economics or people call it LSE. Yeah, so I had always wanted to live in London because when I was in my boarding school, it was like four hours, five hours drive from London. 
and that that was tough, like the ride. So it has always been a dream. And I got to live there for a year for the master's. I love cities. I'm also a fan of like the countryside, but I would say I'm a city girl. I feel all right living in a city where there's a lot going on and I feel that I can manage that kind of life well. London is a little bit similar to Bangkok in, in certain aspects, and especially the, the food scene. I don't know. I'm very into food. <laughs> yeah. I came back from London on Sunday and I will say that even though I was there for work and to see friends, it was definitely a foodie trip as well. I loved it. Yeah. Food paradise. But, <laughs> but I did a lot of studying there as well, not just like eating. <laughs> and then again, I returned to Bangkok. So it's like going back and forth, UK, Europe, Thailand. But now I'm permanently based in Thailand. And then I went on to spend two years doing creative content for two brands simultaneously. So one was Beauty Gems. It's a Thai high jewelry brand. One of the oldest, if not the oldest in Thailand. Yes. And I also worked on creative content for Judith Lieber, but the Thailand one. It is a New York-based brand that does one in Thailand as well. And then during my time, I got to learn a lot about how to like craft content, how to do copywriting. And what is really interesting is that like, it was not my background at all. Like my background was economics, management, very like numerical, quantitative. But from a very young age, I had always been a very artistic person. Growing up in a household with my mom being a pianist, my, my dad is an economist. And yeah, so it's a nice balance, I feel, that gives mm. me both the you know, artistic dimension and the analytical dimension. So it was nice to have worked there. And during my time there, it's when the idea for Morandi came up. And so I worked on both. Until I quit from my job two months ago to work on Mirandi full time. Mm, amazing. We'll get to talk about Mirandi in a minute. As you were telling me your story, I was thinking, yeah, how does one go from economics and a master's in, at LSE to creative content creation? Because it's true, it's a little bit of a leap. I mean, to my ears. So, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate several things for its artsy dimension. I'm very interested in like piano, in art and fashion from a young age. The idea to study economics is quite related to my father because he's an economist. And I feel that in Thailand, it's a belief that if you go into like business management, economics, then it's more probable that you'll get like some employment. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I'm the type of person that can just go with the flow, go with anything. And I, I can make myself like any field that, that is interesting enough, of course. So I like it was probably like the safer option. So I went for that. My creative interest is not in the style of like, oh, I want to do like pattern making, making clothes or like paint some paintings or like stuff like that. If we have to like describe in like business terms, I like turning the raw materials into something else. So it's more about like curating stuff and taking existing ideas and bring it into the like certain realms of ideas and concepts. And mm. that is what I got to do with Duke Lieber and Beauty Terms. Mm. And with Mirandi. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because when I was younger, I played piano and I sang and at an early stage in my career, I sort of left it behind and I stopped telling people because I felt I was worried that it would confuse them as to my path or my career, etc. And it took me a while to realize that I was taking a very creative approach to business. So I think that these things do permeate, right? Yeah, yeah. And then actually, some of my architecture friends, they have mentioned that like I have a different approach to creative works because of my quantitative background. That's what they say. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
I can't wait to see where that takes you to. That's super exciting. So you founded or co-founded Mirandi. So as you explained, it's a luxury bag insert brand. And I love the fact that you made it only for what I heard you call it the holy grail of handbags, which is a few select styles and sizes of Hermes handbags. And so I originally met you in Geneva only a few weeks ago where you were presenting the brand and the products. To get us started, I'd love for you to explain the value of a bag insert to people who've never come across what that is or a bag organizer. Right. So a bag insert or a bag organizer, what it does is that it helps organize contents in the bags because it comes with like compartments or like zip pockets and stuff like that. And secondly, it helps maintain the bag shape to prevent the bag from becoming slouchy looking over time. And third, it helps protect the bag interior from stains or scratches. And these are the things that are very important for luxury handbag users, because especially for Amis bag users, because many of them buy these products to preserve the condition of the Amis bags because one day they may resell the bag and, and their value cannot drop, you know? Sure. That's what we do. And we are the first brand in the world to use Thai silk to craft these inserts and also to encourage a color play. So mm. a color play, by this we mean we encourage our customers to choose a bag insert in the color that contrasts the color of the bag. So for instance, let's say you have like a black Birkin and your friend also has a black Birkin as well. You've had it for like 10 years and it's getting slightly boring for you and you want to feel alive again. <laughs> and so now you can choose which color of the bag insert you want in the bag. For example, you can choose like blue and your friend might go for white. So now it's a different pairing and in a way you can express your personality in that. Yeah, I was interested in the color play. So I've never used a bag organizer, although I could definitely do. Because <laughs> it's, I'm sure that most women who listen to us will understand that we do have problems with how much content we put in one's bag and how difficult it is to find things, even when the bag is small. I can see the value just in the organizational portion of the bag. I do love the the colorful and the texture element that this brings, because of course the bags we're talking about are mostly, not all, but mostly made of various kinds of fine leathers and your product is silk. So there is also a shine, a texture, another type of contrast that you're introducing with the bag inserts. So I read about what makes Morandi special and I think I understand it, but I'd love for you to explain to our listeners how did this idea come about? How did you go from creating content one day for a couple of brands and probably, as I can imagine, doing a great job of it and starting your own brand, especially in the middle of COVID? Yes, sure. It was one night during Songkran. So Songkran is like Thai New Year yeah. in April last year. One night in April, my phone rang. My friend was calling and it's like, Kate, you're interested in Thai silk, right? Like you're so passionate about it. Everyone knows that you've been collecting it forever. Do you want to do something together? Maybe like a business or something from Thai silk, maybe like a product idea. Should we like brainstorm? And I was like, yeah, sure. That was my friend, Grace. She's my friend from high school in Thailand. We, we never talked. But we were reunited through a friend later during my bachelor's. And so, of course, I said, yes. I was like, yeah, let, let's find something to do with this. But, but what can we do? Grace, she was doing a lot of like home soft furnishings, like pillows, among many things. And so I was like, should we do some soft furnishing from silk? Maybe like a tissue box made from Thai silk. But then we, we weren't so confident with this idea. It's, it's not something that, we feel like we could wake up to and be confident that it's going to sell. We wanted to be drastically different from other product offerings out there. 
So Grace mentioned bad organizers. I was like, what? What is a bad organizer? I, I didn't know what it was actually, <laughs> but Grace knew everything in the world. <laughs> And I was like, okay, what is it? And you told me what it was. She was like, we should try doing it in Thai silk. And then, yeah, I started to imagine how would that play out. And I was like, yeah, actually it would, it would look great. Like imagine if your bag is in one color and then you put some Thai silk inside and it's in another color. Like I was imagining myself like carrying the bag to like dinner or something. And then when I had to open the bag, it would be, like full of luster in like a spotlight and shining. And I was like, oh, it's, it could be something. So I was feeling hopeful. And so we were talking for like three hours to brainstorm ideas, the branding and everything. And then the next day when we woke up, we went straight into research. We did a hundred PowerPoint slides for the research in like one day. And then we tested it out straight away. And seven months later, we were able to launch Morandi. And it has been one of the best things in my life so far. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's so cool and so wonderful to see how quickly you guys went from the initial spark. What if we did this? What if we did something with Tysil? To the ideation, to the actual product launch. So I understand you're a big collector of Tysil. And this podcast is listened to. Well, in a large number of countries around the world. So this is selfish, but I'd love for you to tell me why is Thai silk so special? Because I want to hear more about it. For sure. So Thai silk has been a long-standing heritage in Thailand and it is full of like luster. It shines in any kind of light. And I feel this is why it is so widely appreciated around the world. And it's also used in Okutu. The process of making Thai silk is very intricate as well. It all starts with um, Bombyx mori or like silk worms feeding on mulberry leaves. And then it starts to build a cocoon with the spittle of the saliva. And then after a long while, you can then like separate the thread from the silk worms. And then you have to put it in, I don't know how you call it in English, spindle, because each thread is like super thin. So you have to make it smooth, separate it a bit, and then combine it with several threads at once to create a fiber that can be used for, for fabric. And then you enter the dyeing and then the weaving processes. And, and yeah, some, some people weave with hand and whereas some people prefer to use machine. And the same goes for the dyes. The dyes used can be natural, or some people use some chemical dyes. How young were you when you first developed an appreciation for silk? I think when I came back from boarding school, when I was like starting off with my bachelor's degree, I would go on trips a lot with my mom and her musician friends. It's a group of musicians that is very like appreciative of Thai silk. <laughs> so we always like take trips to the northeastern part of Thailand, usually Ubon Ratatani. I don't know if you know that or not. And we would source like very rare, like matmi or ikat silks. And then this comes with like very intricate and detailed patterns and turn it into like a sarong or a skirt. And my mom and her peers would wear those sarongs in the concerts. Because after all, like they do like Thai traditional music. So we integrated. So we actually haven't talked about that. So what kind of music does your mother play? So my mom plays Thai traditional music. And basically she plays like Thai classical songs on piano and three-string fiddle. She was one of the first to learn how to play such traditional songs on a Western instrument, which is piano. And from a very young age, like 15 years ago, I would say, I started learning from her. So, so at one point, it was just me and my mom who, I would humbly say that like, 
it was just me and my mom back That's then. That's amazing. Who knew how to play this style. <laughs> but, but yeah, later on, she taught some people so that it doesn't disappear from the Thai cultural landscape. And yeah, I'm not the only one anymore, but I do practice it every day for like 10, 10 minutes a day. <laughs> That's exactly what I should be doing with my piano skills, but I, I'm not at the moment. Thanks for reminding me of that challenge. And so what you were saying is your mother who was touring and doing concerts or playing with other musicians was dressing herself in these traditional, rare, amazing crafted silks. Mm. Yes. Yes. Mostly in concerts. Sounds gorgeous. I can see why you developed such an appreciation for it. I remember when we met on the panel behind you, you had brought some of these really stunning pieces, collectible pieces. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones, yeah. Yeah, as you describe what your mother was wearing and, and the, the fine ecat prints and stuff, that brings me to one piece in particular that was at the, the top right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it looked very beautiful. Mm. So it's interesting when I first read up about the work that you were doing with Mirandi, it struck me that I don't really think about collecting so much, although I do collect books, it seems. But it's strange. It's not like you want to call it collecting. It's more like amassing, you know? (laughs) I'm just buying more and more and more. (laughs) But so I was thinking about the word collectible from how beautiful the silks are that you use and how the Hermes fans also collect their bags. And so in that way, there's a real, let's say, business crossroads between the work that you do and the brand that you chose. I was looking at one of the films that you did for your autumn winter collection. And also I read some reviews that that some people have done online. And some of the colorways are truly stunning. I mean, you could turn this into an evening bag quite easily. Thank you. So between you and Grace, who is working on the color palettes and how do you select the artisans who make the bags for you? Right. So in terms of like branding or like product offering, we work on it together. As for the artisans, it depends on the fabric as well. So we do have like trips to each region in Thailand that we would go on to sell some fabrics or sometimes to, to partner with um, local artisans to create like certain kind of fabrics that we want. Like, for example, like our fabrics are divided into ultra fine and fine. So let's start with the fine one. So the fine one is one tone. And this is created from weaving similar tones of colors, of threads for the ultra fine ones. These are the fabrics that are patterned or iridescent. And so the iridescent effect is created through weaving different colors of threads. For instance, the whiskey color from After Hours Collection, it is bronze and also electric blue. And it's like absolutely gorgeous. And we fell in love with it. So we chose it for the collection. When it comes to like color selection, we also take into account how it looks overall in that collection. As for the colors, not to, in in the business sense, not cannibalize each other in terms of sales. Sure. So talk to me a bit about the business model, because I know that Mirandi has some strong stakes in terms of sustainability in particular. Yeah. So with Mirandi, every bag insert is handcrafted to order. And so this, in a way, minimizes the waste created. But we also take on like low waste cutting technique. And for the offcuts that are created anyway after that, um, we turn it into like silk dehumidifiers sachet. So, so basically kind of like a small silk piece. And then we put some like soil and dehumidifier inside. And we give this out for free to customers so that they can like protect the bag from like mold and moisture and the rest of the offcuts are then either donated or recycled 
And then in terms of the packaging, we do use some recycled and or recyclable materials for roughly 85% of the packaging, except for like stickers. Yeah, and working with local artisans has been a very nice experience. We provide jobs to them. We support the economy in that province. We preserve the long-standing heritage of Thai silk. So everyone is happy and it's a nice feeling. The Amis back users are happy with the colors and we are happy with Mirandi. So overall, it's, it's a very fulfilling journey. That's, that's great. It's well thought out. And I read somewhere that you originally had created like a little cotton bag to, I think, I guess, to be the external packaging and that you were saying that you realized that the Mirandi buyers are not using it and that you're going to scrap that because you didn't want to produce more things that were not going to be user-friendly, essentially. Yes, yes, exactly. Because with Mirandi, we want to create a product that does not become waste itself, right? Like we want to create something people really need. It doesn't only have the artistic dimension, but it has to have the functional side to it. And at the same time, with a Mirandi insert, in a way, it helps prolong the usage of the Amis bags. So it's all interrelated. So when, when you find out something is not needed anymore, you have to take it out. So for the cotton bag, our users are actually not using them to store the inserts because they keep the inserts in the bag to maintain the shape. And so, yeah, it's not needed anymore. <laughs> I appreciate that you are so quick to make that notice. So. I'd love for you to tell me now, because I feel like this could be the right tie-in. Where does the name Mirandi come from? Mirandi. That's a long story, but I'll make it short. So me and Grace, we, we're very strict when it comes to branding. It has to feel absolutely right. And when there are two co-founders, it, it needs to feel right for both. You know, it, it cannot just feel right for me. <laughs> and so we wanted to find a name that doesn't sound like it strictly belongs to a certain language. And at the same time, it has to be easy to pronounce. No, no, no matter what language you speak, you have to be confident to speak out loud the name. And we want the first letter to be a symmetric letter because that will make it a lot easier when it comes to branding. Yes, yes. And it has to end with the sound E because the next word is inserts. <laughs> so it has to be like Mirandi inserts. Yeah, so, so that it flows. Everything has to be seamless. <laughs> I, love, I love the level of precision that's going on. Keep going. Yes. So we were trying to find like several names like Mogota, Mirandi, and well, so something that sounds kind of similar to this. And after like a month, Grace came up with Mirandi. I have to give her the credit. <laughs> she always comes up with the good, good stuff. And so, so yeah, we, we ended up with Mirandi. And then we found out later from my mom's friend that Mirandi can actually be modus operandi in short. And so I looked it up and I found out that it is like a Latin phrase, meaning a specific way of doing something. And that is definitely our brand because we take existing products like bag inserts or like bag handle wraps and then we twist it and give it a new concept and make the whole experience for the user different from other brands that have existed before. Yeah, naming is such a crazy process. So yeah. well done, because I do think that Mirandi sounds pretty good. That's a personal feeling. But. And in Japan, they call it Merandi. So many countries have their own way of adopting it. So in Japan, it's Merandi. So in America, it's Merandi. I like the Japanese way. In Europe, it's probably Merandi. I don't know. I call it Merandi. <laughs> Interesting. That's so funny. So you did mention the bag handle. Handle wrap. We call it a wrap. 
So if I understand correctly, you've also done a beautiful collaboration for the handle wraps and for our listeners, for specific bags, whether they're precious or not, you can just wrap the handles of your bag with a scarf or whether it's silk or not, just to make sure that the leather is protected because that's an area of the bag that's going to suffer a lot. There is a specific twist to that collection, which I think is important for you in terms of CSR as well, right? Yes, yes. We use upcycled fabric from Pasaya. So this collaboration is with Pasaya and they do like luxury bed linens, like pillows and stuff like that. And yeah, basically we take the the offcuts for those fabrics and turn it into something useful and also enjoyable, which is Morandi back handle wrap. And we offer it in five styles. So because we're we're not like trying to like associate our brand or be affiliated with Amis, we do it in a different style. We we're not trying to be like a twilly from Amis. We do it in like candy cane style and like zigzag style in like very like modern and quite minimalistic approach. Sweet. But am I right in saying that also for every single one of those sold? There are 10 meals donated to kids in difficulty in Thailand? Yes, yes. So it's um, a program called 1M for 10M. So one Morandi rack equals 10 meals to the children of Thailand from several schools around Thailand. Again, it's Grace's idea. We just wanted to, to give back, I guess, because we feel that we have achieved quite a lot, I would say, in, in a short period of time. And it's always a good thing to stay grounded and think about ways to first not create waste, second, to give back to society. Thanks for sharing that. Now, one of the things I was curious about is how does your background in content creation helps you lead in terms of the business development for Mirandi? Can you talk to us a bit about your strategy? So strategy for me overall, it actually starts from the product, right? So you need like a strong product that has a very strong USP or unique selling point to be different enough to have things to say on social media. Otherwise, there's nothing to write about. And yeah, some of the things have to be hard facts, not like, different from other brands through like artistic expression or stuff like that. It has to be like, oh, we use Thai silk and we encourage a color play and we're the first to do that. So I think being the first in something is very important. So I would I would recommend like emerging brands to to try to find something that they can do that with. And yeah, in terms of content, I, I wouldn't say really an expert yet because I feel like everything and everyone is a work in progress but I would say that storytelling is extremely crucial and we have to speak the truth we have to communicate crystal clear and be a little bit artsy in terms of the words that we choose for copywriting but I'm actually struggling a bit with this myself because now that I'm the co-founder I have a lot on my plate and sometimes it can be hard to like give this task to someone else because I'm quite into like creative content, but but that's what I have to do right now. But yeah, I don't I feel like I'm going off topic. I'm so glad you said that because one of my coaching clients not long ago who works in branding was expressing how creatively blocked he had felt in promoting his new services. And the reality is when you are promoting yourself as something that's so close to you, it becomes hard. It's easier when there's a little bit more distance. That's what I find at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And especially if you have to work on something every day for like 10 hours a day or something, it, it doesn't feel as exciting as the first time you, you came up with the idea. But then when you communicate it, to other people on social media. It has to feel fresh. And this is why mindfulness is so important in life because it it creates like space to be creative, to feel alive again, like to fall in love with a brand 
again, sometimes it, it gets dull when you have to work on something every day, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were talking with, a, with an amazing beauty brand that I interviewed not long ago, Kim Walls. And sometimes it's also, we become identified too much with the product or the experience because we're too close to it. And so, yes, mindfulness helps us dissociate with the experience, giving us a different perspective. Sometimes all we need is to just take that step back, take a breath, reconnect to ourselves and look at it with fresh eyes. Yeah, yeah. And regain the calmness in the mind, right? Not having the minds racing all the time, so many things on the to-do list. And yeah, life can get hectic. Mm. Yeah. And it's true that there are other things like taking a walk or movement helps balance the left and right hemispheres of the brain. And so it sort of restores the connection, especially when we don't feel creative and the alpha part of the brain keeps on talking about the to-do list. (laughs) I feel that pressure. Yeah. Actually walk for like an hour a day in silence around my house, outdoor, but like around my house areas. I mean, I like music, but I actually don't listen to that much of music. It's hard to describe. It's like when you are taught music, you feel like you cannot focus if you have to work with music on because you end up paying so much attention, even if there's no lyrics, you end up listening like intently. So when I do my walking or my daily walking, I just do it in silence. Mm. I'm so glad you said that because I absolutely cannot work to music. Because otherwise it just completely distracts me and I stop paying attention to my work and I just go off on one. And as for walking without music, it's better because otherwise I start singing in the street. People can hear me. It's very (laughs) embarrassing. So talking about mindfulness. So given that the podcast is at the crossroads between business and mindfulness, tell me, how do you keep grounded? What is your go-to ritual or tool or tactic that helps you feel connected to yourself? So recently I got into Ashtanga yoga and I found it to be very beneficial. I've never tried other types of yoga though. (laughs) But yeah, Ashtanga yoga, what I like about it is that the postures are fixed. So every day when you do it, you have to start from the like post one, two, three, sun solution, etc. That is nice for a life that is so hectic. You just need something that you know what you have to do. You can't just like skip to certain postures like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do that. Oh, I'm already done. I'm just going to go shower and watch Netflix. <laughs> so with, with Ashtanga, you just have to like finish the whole thing. And, and it's actually quite um, challenging physically. And with that, it helps you gain focus. Because if the mind doesn't take you there, your body cannot do it. And that is what I really like. But yeah, but I also do like cardio or like high intensity workouts. And I find them to help clear my head really well. I I usually do all of this like late afternoon. When you get up, you still feel fresh. And by the time it gets to like 3 or 4 p.m., you, you need to feel fresh again so so that's why I do it then but I would say that I'm quite a night owl I I don't wake up early at all I feel like I work better at night and I'm very creative at night and thankfully grace is the same it it wouldn't work if it was like oh god yeah can you imagine if she was up and texting you at seven that would be really annoying yeah yeah so yeah we're we're basically the same person (laughs) that's awesome and I'm so I love what you said the, if the mind isn't focused, the body cannot take you there. That's a really great way to explain or to, yeah, to showcase what's absolutely true about that integration that yoga offers because your body cannot do things if your mind isn't going into the posture, isn't fully present on the mat. Obviously, different teachers will take you to different paces. But what I love about it is the breath and movement connection. It feels even even more meditative. And I think, I don't know about you, but when I was a a teenager, I remember I thought to myself, God, I don't breathe very well. (laughs) And for some reason, I thought it was just me that I didn't know how to breathe. And of course, later on, I realized that none of us breathe well. We rarely breathe 
full in breath and out breath until we are brought to it by something. And so whenever I find any kind of movement practice that invites me to, to breathe in pattern and repetitively and deeply, I generally feel very, very in myself just because it just gives you that integration aspect. Yeah, and it's very much related to how you feel. For example, if you breathe really quickly right now, you become agitated, right? So it's like very much related. I remember, so last time we talked, and I think you mentioned it already today, you're quite the foodie. And you're not done in your entrepreneurial journey. So can you tell us what you're cooking up? Right, Grace is of course a foodie as well. And she has worked in like Michelin starred restaurants and have done something in the food business before. And that would be something we consider in the very near future. And in the far future, we would like to have a restaurant. But let's work on Mirandi first. <laughs> but yeah, I'm quite a foodie. And I feel like all Thai people are very much a foodie. It is in, in the culture. Like we're always on a hunt for new restaurants and like new dishes to try. We have like, we have like a to-do list for food. And when I was in London, it was the same. Like me and my Thai friends, you know, we would take it to the next level. <laughs> but overall, I feel like I would like to focus mainly on Morandi. At the same time, start something in a food business just to get some things going. Like a kind of like a soft opening. And for Morandi, we're actually extending our product line to other types of accessories, potentially like charms, bag charms. And yeah, but let, let's see, let's see. Please stay tuned. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait to see what happens. I mean, I know that if you do something food-wise, it will be in Bangkok, but you know, I love any excuse to come and visit Thailand. So keep me informed. Let's move to the closing questions now. So the first one is, what is your favorite word? But that would be a word that you could tattoo on yourself, theoretically. Will it be boring if I say Mirandi? It's not, as long as that's what you want. <laughs> well, there's actually like a sentence in Latin. It's from like a Latin poem, I think, that I like. I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. So it basically says, it started with like Kras Amit Ki Nunquam Amavit. That's the first half of the full oh. sentence. What it means tomorrow he will love who never loved before. And who has loved will love tomorrow. Mm, that's beautiful. Sure. Like it's trying to say, or at least that's my interpretation, that those who who yesterday did not love. Hopefully they will love today. And those who already love today, they will love even more tomorrow or mm. as well tomorrow. That's, I love it. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Do you know who is it by? Is it from a poem? I think it's a really, really long time ago. And it is still a debate who wrote it. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it over after. Thank you so much. Now... What does connection mean to you? Connection for me. Well, connection can be between a person and an object and a topic or an, an, with another person. And I feel that in terms of like personal connection for me, it is when you feel the true sense of belonging in someone. This can be a friend or a partner. It's actually what I find in my co-founder for which I am very grateful. For such a sense of belonging, connection to be formed, many things have to be aligned in terms of values and the things that you stand for. Yeah, that, that's my meaning for, for connection. Thank you. Now, this one is a very hard one. What song best represents you? What song? I like sad songs. I like like listening to like Pavarotti and classical stuff I don't know like all the new singers or like hip hop or like rap and stuff like that I'm, I'm not very into that not like people my age oh but but I'm a big fan of Michael Jackson I do like collect stuff 
about Michael Jackson. And so any songs from, from MJ. But if you could pick one that represents you. Represents me. Hallelujah. Maybe. Oh. I, I don't know why, but like it's the vibe, I guess. Like, yeah. Gorgeous. Thanks so much. <laughs> What is the sweetest thing that's ever happened to you? Now, now this is a real, really hard question. Because I'm very thankful that like all my friends and family, everyone is so nice to me and sweet things happen to me on a daily basis. <laughs> but yeah, from the beginning, when I founded Morandi, I've been receiving endless helps. If, even when I don't ask for it, like people just come to me like offering if they could help me with anything at all. And overall, like collectively, it's one of the sweetest things that one can ever hope for, you know. And Korea is very important for me. And yeah. That's really cool. I'm so glad you shared. Thank you. What is a secret superpower that you have? Secret superpower? Hmm. I would say my piano playing, like Thai traditional music. Because as I've said, like at one point, I was one of a few who could play it. Not anymore, but it was once a superpower. And another thing is that this may sound a bit weird, but I type very fast. Like type on the laptop. <laughs> so so many, many people recognize me for this skill. I love that. I also type very fast and I love it. <laughs> but it's interesting because we're both piano players. So yes, yes. Agility. Yes. Fingers. Yes coordinated awesome what is a favorite book so you don't have to have your one favorite but what is a favorite book that you can share with us a favorite book would have to be 700 page book by j randy taraborelli and it's a biography of michael jackson Mm. and i read this when i was like 10 (laughs) Because I really liked Michael Jackson and I, I finished the whole book, like 700 pages. Yeah. Amazing. Where is somewhere you visited that you felt really had an impact on who you are today? That would have to be a small town called Sidmouth in Devon in the UK. That's where my boarding school is. Basically, I grew up there, I would say, like the most important years that that will go on to shape a person's life was spent there. And I still remember all the memories I shared with the many international friends, lifelong friends. And it has shaped me to be who I am today in terms of personality, interest, and open-mindedness and ability to connect with people from different backgrounds and cultures. Imagining that you can step into a future version of yourself, what most important advice do you think that future you needs to give to the present state you? Hmm. I would say to hang in there (laughs) and work hard (laughs) because the life that you've always wanted will one day be the reality. So like when, when I imagine myself like being free having a lot of free time in like Tuscany enjoying my life and just like dreaming about my next destination but at the same time feeling very content that customers around the world are using my products and that's like my ultimate goal and I would say to myself today to hang in there because it's coming awesome and that takes us to my last question what brings you happiness what brings me happiness happiness can actually be found in the smallest things right like it's it's not about like having the most like expensive meals or like wearing the most expensive clothes although i do appreciate like the luxury world but i feel like spending time with family and friends whose values align with yours it's like the, the best thing ever it doesn't matter where you go for dinner. You would just have a great conversation and you, you just feel so lucky to go on this journey of life together. Yeah, that, that's what brings me happiness. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I really enjoy discovering 
your journey. So if people want to connect with you and discover Mirandi, where can they find you? So for Mirandi, we're on Instagram and Facebook and then many other channels. Um, and for me, yeah, just can connect with me on LinkedIn and, or Instagram. Yes. I'll make sure to add all of the links in the show notes. So thank you again. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening and that we'll keep in touch. Yes, thank you so much, Anne, for having me. I really enjoyed the session and have a good day. Thanks so much. Talk soon. Thank you. So, friends and listeners, thanks again for joining me today. If you'd like to hear more, you can subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to connect, you can get in touch with me at Anvi on Twitter, Anne Mulethaler on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at underscore out of the clouds, where I also share daily musings about mindfulness. You can also find all of the episodes of the podcast and much more on my website, anvmulethaler.com. If you don't know how to spell it, it's also going to be in the show notes. If you would like to get regular news directly delivered to your inbox, I invite you to sign up to my monthly newsletter. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Clouds. I hope that you will join me again next time. And until then, be well, be safe, and take care.